Hi everyone, uh, welcome back. Well, for those of you who keep up to speed with the Mibby's Eye series, you'll know that a few episodes back we did a whole programme about free ports. So we talked to Alf Baird, he was uh, one guest. We also chatted to a couple of um, Yes activists up in, up in Orkney as well on, on the same subject. So you'll find that if you go on to our website or onto the YouTube channel. Shortly after we'd put that video out, we were contacted by a friend of Scottish Independence podcast, Bill Ramsey, saying to us, have you thought about speaking to Peter Henderson? Because Peter is a go-to guy if you want to talk more about the ins and outs of customs and excise around Freeports. So out of that has come this, so this time we've just called it Freeports, Who Benefits? And it turned out that Peter absolutely was the go-to guy. And not only did he tell us about the background to the six tests that he'd come up with for the S&P conference, he also told us a lot about the inherent dangers of free ports from his yeah. personal experience and also stories from his 40 years as a customs and excise specialist. So really interesting discussion with Peter. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah. First, let's remind ourselves what the six tests are that SMP conference approved yeah. that Peter had proposed. Yeah, actually at the conference, the title that Peter gave them was the six requirements. Quite a strong way of putting it, isn't it? And it as is. you say, they were, I don't know if it was completely unanimous, but it was what was called overwhelmingly passed. Conference, this motion is extremely important for the country's future. It may appear that free ports offer solutions but without the correct controls and regulations in place, as detailed in the motion, the detrimental direct impact on the economy, environment, public safety, local economies and Scotland's reputation will be damaging. The proposal from Westminster is a direct attack on devolution, workers' rights and local democracy. It centralises control, has no input from local authorities, except they pick up the mess when things go wrong. So what are free ports? They are not a new concept. The last free port in Scotland was at Prestwick Airport in 2012. And it is worth noting that free ports are being closed in Europe and around the world. Britain alone seems to see them as a saviour. It must be made clear that free ports are not just seaports. It can be airports, inland depots or warehouses. As such, the amendment to me is not competent. They are tax havens with an area technically not in the country and are associated with criminality at all levels, from money laundering, counterfeit goods, banned substances, as an, and as an example, in Europe, the storage of stolen art. Freeports traditionally had strict control regimes. This proposal does not. The motion outlines the required controls as a minimum from my personal experience in regulating these areas if we go down this ill-thought-out proposal. While I understand that the party is seeking a different approach from Westminster, they can still dictate what happens, and I believe no talks have taken place since June. There is no guarantee that companies operating in a free port will pay the real living wage, and without union recognition, there are no controls for workers regarding wages, conditions, pensions, or health and safety. We insist on fair work, but that really guarantees nothing in an excluded area. Local government gains nothing, as there will be no rates charged. And what happens if there's an incident, say a chemical spill? 
how will local government be compensated to deal with this? If workers move to a pre-port, what happens to local employment? What happens if the local industry transport to the Freeport area or move to another part of the country? How can local government without investment maintain their area? What benefit can be gained in reaching our zero targets for emissions if there are no controls in place, especially if they can't be enforced? Controls on registration of companies in the UK and Scotland must be in place in order to be able to act if the company leaves or defaults. You can't get anywhere with a company registered outside the jurisdiction. Security controls of the area must be in place and enforced, not just for the diversion of duty, fat and tax-free goods being, that can be taken out and, and, and destroyed local economies. But if they are illegal or counterfeit, what about public safety and health? How do you prevent people traffickers? Customs and environmental controls to ensure that no banned or illegal goods are used health and safety controls for the obvious reasons. As the proposal stands, there is no inclusion of these controls. The control of money laundering and criminal activity, and there are no plans for additional staff. I hope in a short speech you can understand that without the points in the motion being adopted, the Freeport is an open goal. The government receives no duty, VAT or tax from operators, so who profits? The wages may give some hope for an area near a Freeport, but what benefit to areas who see shifts of manufacturing from their local locale areas? Conference, I urge you to support the motion, reject the amendment, and maintain Scotland's workers' rights and international reputation. The six tests are Number one, all businesses operating within the Freeport area must pay the real living wage and abide by fair work practices. Number two, trade union recognition must be mandatory. Number three, there must be sufficient financial investment into local government to allow them to carry out required services within Freeport zones. Number four, all businesses must work in alignment with achieving the Scottish Government's net zero targets. Number five, local businesses must be fully compensated if they are negatively affected by Freeport operation. And number six, all relevant health and safety, environmental and law enforcement controls provided by the relevant agencies must be in place. Welcome. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us, Peter. I thought they were fascinating. Perhaps you can tell us why you settled on those six. We came up with uh, the six points mainly because uh, from a trade union perspective, there are no rights, no recognitions, and there are severe dangers. That's where we came up with that. Plus the fact the way the legislation is written, well, basically it's an attack on uh, devolution, and it's undermining the devolution settlement. In fact, I put it to one of the leadership contenders during the contest at an STUC debate, why they accepted it. And the answer I received, well, it would have been imposed. So the question I had is, well, just because something wants to do something, do you not oppose it? Uh, you don't just count yeah. out to it. I'm sorry. If nothing had been opposed in the history of the trade union movement, 
nothing would have happened. <laughs> no, true, true. Yeah. And that is quite an, an interesting question, isn't it? And I think Kate Forbes at one point had also made that that point that at least they thought they were shaping it as opposed to just rolling over. But you just have to look at what's happening with the Internal Market Act to know they have no worries about rolling over anything no, we yeah. want. The direction from Westminster is quite clear, well, from the Conservative Party. It's not just free ports, it's improvement zones, it's all the other aspects. They're mm. just ploughing ahead and they're not listening to the public concerns or, more importantly in this case, because local authorities are going to pick up the tab when it goes wrong or if it goes wrong, where's the uh, role for them? Where's the compensation? Where's the funding? Yeah. Uh, my major concern from a union perspective was with no union recognition and no union rights, I just need to look at P&O ferries. And P&O ferries gives everybody a, a clear insight into what happens when an overseas company that's not in the UK jurisdiction decides to do something. Mm. Now, everybody can shout and throw their toys out of the pram. Sadly, nothing's really happened. No. It didn't guarantee the workers' jobs. It didn't guarantee the people they brought in their rights and conditions. Freeports as well to me has a major impact on health and safety and controls, basic controls. The modification in the proposals for Scotland was green ports. Well, what guarantees have you that what they're working in those ports are going to be green, environmentally friendly or meet with all international standards. I'm not convinced. Who is it that would actually police that? Is it the port who would do it on behalf of the firms operating in it? or It's the, the port itself uh, mm. in, uh, or the firms in that port. One of the things we'd um, in the past is the, the issue of who owns our ports and fourth ports is owned yeah. by various offshore bodies, the Canadian teachers, pensions and various yes. other... Um, finance companies so you think any profits that are being made from this green port are they just getting siphoned straight offshore straight, straight to an offshore tax haven yeah. so what what is the benefit of this then if it's not benefiting our people our councils our businesses our tax take anything and undermining workers rights and, I, yeah. I don't see any benefits whatsoever out of it personally the UK's attempt to become a, a complete tax haven, do you think? Or is to somebody me, making really, money somehow? <laughs> it, it's the UK race to the bottom. Yeah. It, uh, if this is a consequence of Brexit, that's exactly what people warned about. You're losing all controls. And the only people that will benefit is those with the right connections. We've got so many examples of, if you look at all the PPI, yes. we'll call them scandals, of uh, people who know somebody making massive profits. Is that the benefit of the free port? Yes. Somebody gets rich. Well, I mean, that's just scandalous, isn't it? To me, it is an absolute scandal that we are subsidising money to go straight off offshore. Now, they talk about the employment opportunities. Well, as I say, the displacement effect is... If your local business is closed, what do you get out of it? Where are the opportunities for uh, work, employment, careers? And if in a Freeport zone you haven't got UK registered companies, where do you start from a law enforcement point of view? Yeah. I mean, can you even walk into their premises? You no. know, do we have that right? So, no, I mean, you don't. They're having to, so they're signing up to these six things, and are they going to even attempt to do any of them? Well, 
I, I have no idea how they can attempt it because, I mean, I used to be in customs and excise, as I say, a service which has disappeared more or less, mm. the law enforcement side. And I spent 40 years in law enforcement. Mm. And we were regarded as one of the best in the world. Well, where do you get these trained people from? Yeah. Well, in terms of the six tests, then, do you have any faith that they are actually going to, not having been agreed, are they going to make any difference? Have we got any chance of... To, to be honest, until I see something in black and white, no. Until I see them recruiting more, more staff for whether it's health and safety or law enforcement, absolutely mm. not, because yeah. you cannot do that. Yeah. AI cannot do this. No. <laughs> it's like sending a laptop into the hold of a ship to check the code. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, if it was that easy, why did, uh, as I say, spend 40 years of my life finding things? Mm -hmm. Everything Absolutely. from illegal immigrants to uh, smuggled tobacco to sm drugs, you name it. The environmental side really does worry, worry me. The health and safety side really does genuinely worry me. Because without basic checks, how do you know what's there? Yeah. How do you know to react? If you're the local authority, heaven forfend there's a fire or an environmental disaster, how do you know uh, or can you trust to just put fabricate in there, your local staff in there? Yeah. Do you know what you're dealing with? The yeah. complications are ph phenomenal. Don't forget, if you're in Clapmanisher and Fourth Ports, you've got any horse there. Who yes. The petrochemical. So what, what's going to be Greenport about that? Well, indeed, yes. Indeed. I, I, I think the bank account will show, show uh, yeah. a lot of benefit, but I don't see anything else for anybody else. Well, that, and that's the other thing. One of your tests that, w that went in was about that it had to contribute to the net zero agenda, which, yes. you know, Grangemouth, I know the, the, there is work going on. I've seen things. There's a Holyrood committee at the moment looking at um, just transition for Grangemouth. Mm -hmm. But what a, what a task. You know, oh, it's a nightmare. I mean, everybody talks about net zero and uh, the green agenda until you come to tell them how much it's going to cost. And then it <laughs> seems to dissipate down somewhere else. Uh, lo looking at the latest uh, World Organization reports, we're already going to break the climate change targets. Yeah. So, and that's probably the answer, isn't it? Because, I mean, for however much it would cost to get to net zero is probably less than it's going to cost when the ports are underwater, you know, trying yeah, exactly, to exactly. rebuild our cities. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the fourth ports. The other one's uh, Ross and Cromarty, isn't it? Cromarty yeah, but it's Inver Gordon, basically. Right. Is there anything kind of distinct about that one? Because that's got such a link with the offshore industry, hasn't yes. it? Is if they're going to use Invergordon for decommissioning oil rigs, there could be a green benefit there. Oh, yeah. But how do you get rid of all the material you're taking to bits? How do you make sure there are adequate controls? How do you know what's actually coming in or going out, more importantly? Is there an employment benefit in that region? Well, that only is? if they create jobs to uh, decommission oil rigs and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it could well be. But there should be, where's the maritime jobs involved in it? These mm. things don't just come in themselves. So is it going to be Liberian registered tugs that bring them in so they don't comply with the regulations or anything like that? Without controls, how do you know what's going on? How can you take any conditions of it? If the company is not even UK registered, where would you start if you want to prosecute mm -hmm. them? Absolutely. And where's the incentive to do that as well? You know, if, exactly. 
if the money's um, greasing a few pounds. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't understand where the financial incentive is for the country. I really mm. don't. No. So when we come to it has to have green credentials, what are these going to be? How is it going to do a green agenda, a net zero agenda? If it's a, a, a new hydrogen plant or something like that, which could have benefits, fine. But is that going to be in your country or is that where the research and development is going to do to be exported to another country? And again, the profits flowing out through the yes. port to where whoever owns it. Exactly. And if you don't have any control over the company, if they're not even registered in your country, what do you do with them? How do you prosecute? Is there anything that you think the Scottish government could do? Yes, put these controls in place. <laughs> well, could they though? So if you've got a control on... I'm, I'm just thinking health and safety. I don't know. Is that reserved? Is it not? I'm not sure. But certainly employment... You know, employment law is reserved. Yeah, so, Customs and Excess is a UK agency too. But mm -hmm. you have the National Crime Agency, yeah. which goes across jurisdictions. You can modify that. Yes, that's the point. We pay towards these agencies. We could expect yeah. them to do some work for us. It, yeah. it's, it's part of the contribution that's got like, from the extras you pay for in Scotland, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. including Crossrail and all the rest of it. Now, defense billions, yeah. Yeah. Ever stuck in the UK then you pay for these things, so why can't you use them? Yeah, no, totally, yeah. I can't understand why anybody sitting in, in the Scottish government would be thinking this was a good thing. And I can't understand the answer, well, it could have been imposed. Well, things only get imposed if you don't oppose them. Yeah. I mean, part of the story is if you put in, well, here's the rules, you know, here's the conditions, yeah. and then they break them, that in itself tells you something. Of course, yeah. I was actually personally very pleased. I mean, I've been a member of the SNP for years, 1968, actually. But when we got a conference motion passed unanimously, without dissent, that should form policy. Mm. Now, to turn policy on its head is something I've never experienced before. I know sometimes you've got to be pragmatic and work around things, otherwise you have extreme policies coming in and nobody agreed with them. But this was just... The whole idea of putting the motion through our party conference, highlighting it in public, speaking to the Scottish minister, which I did, who strangely enough, when he seemed to be coming on board, was removed uh, <laughs> uh, and replaced. Uh, I mean, I do wonder what's going on here. But I, Do you think that, that the um, there's any change likely going forward with a new, new regime? I've got more hope with uh, the new regime. But again, it's only if pressure is kept and applied and it's kept in the public eye. Yeah. Because you'll know better than me. Media, it, it's okay for today, but if it's not on tomorrow's news, well, I've forgotten about it, you know? Indeed. I, I hate the name Freeport because mm. it's not a port. It can be an airport. It can be a, a factory somewhere in the middle of the country. The public don't seem to have grasped that, grasped that concept. I hadn't realised that when they first talked about Freeports. I just assumed it was the, the harbour. But I realised, I, I live in Clackmannanshire, I'm within mm -hmm. the zone of Forth Port. Of course. You know, it, which is madness. I, so I'd have a little customs board around my house if I chose to be part well, of Well, I mean, I think the basic concept people have to understand, the Freeport is technically a foreign country, wherever mm -hmm. it is. It's out with the jurisdiction of the government, whichever government. Europe has learned many lessons about freeports and hence tightened up. And yet <laughs> we seem to think this is the panacea to solve all our problems. 
Well, even in America, in Delaware and places like that, free ports are being closed. To highlight how dangerous it can be without proper controls in place is the important thing here. I, for my sins, used to be in customs and excise and actually controlled the last free port in Scotland, which was Presswick Airport. And I can tell you now, just one team used to take an average three to five million pounds a week. Wow. Because of the uh, misuse of the systems. Now, that's when we were in the EU. Lord help us now. Because the controls coming in are important. And it's not just uh, control mania. It's, do you know the good, the efficacy of the goods? Are they counterfeit goods? Mm. Is the international uh, international uh, property rights for those goods in place? I can give an example in my career in customs where I did the largest counterfeit pharmaceutical prosecution in the world. Oh, wow. Now, it's the same as any other drug, basically. If there's money to be made, somebody will be doing it. And if you give them a, a place where they can operate without oversight, it's exactly. a boon, isn't it? Yeah, it, there's no controls. I mean, mm. the reason the pharmaceutical, counterfeit pharmaceutical is so big and involved, involved over 57 jurisdictions where you had a free port, pharmaceuticals tend to be very low volume, but very high value commodities. And they're easily moved. So you could move it from Bangladesh to Dubai and then put it in a warehouse in Bermuda and then bring it back to the UK. And no controls whatsoever was going on. And I have to say, in that case, even the NHS were buying some of these goods, thinking they were OK, <laughs> because they're cheaper. Yeah. Simple fact of life is economics, like everything else, especially in the cost of living crisis just now, this is what really worries me about the, the concept of Freeport. They're not a new thing, been around for a long time, but it seems the rest of the world have said, hang on, we've got to do something about this. And Britain has said, no, we'll just crack on with it. It'll, it'll be the panacea for everything. I see no benefits to it. I mean, the biggest problem with Freeports is you end up with what they call worker displacement. So if you send up, uh, you say, Clark Manager, you say, Fourth Port, set up something there, will the workers move into that? Mm. Will the companies move into that? Because they're bound to. They're not paying customs. They're not paying VAT. The regulations are diminished. Local authority has no control for planning, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a big benefit to the company. I can see all the benefits for a company. I see nothing for the ordinary working man. And by displacing work, you denude the local area of those employment opportunities. Yeah. And then there's everything around that, that that people normally spend money on. I mean, do, yes. see the council, do they get rates? From, no. No. So they're no. actually providing presumably services. Yes. You know, if it caught fire, they'd expect the, the fire brigade mm -hmm. to turn up, but they're not actually getting a, any income from it. No, they get no income from it at all. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, they're exempt from rates in a free port. The problem with the council is, from a council perspective, what happens if there's an environmental disaster? Mm. Who cleans it up? Who pays the bill? Yeah. Uh, and to me, it's your public as usual. Mm. And that should not be going ahead in the 21st century, in my opinion. Yeah. And I was uh, fascinated that they'd actually got rid of the free ports in the UK. What well, was only about 10, 15 years ago, was it not? 2012 was the last one, was right. the airport. What changed between these are a terrible thing, let's get rid of them, and these are a fantastic thing, let's put them in, in a space of just a little over 10 years? 
neoliberalism, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the thing was, even uh, under legislation before we left the EU, UK Customs, for example, had a regime called inward processing relief. So any company could bring any goods into the UK, do something with them and re-export them. They didn't have to pay the duty or anything on import, but they had to account for everything. So why are we doing a, a going backwards to a freeport system? The reason freeports that were operating in the UK got in so much trouble was that very often they would bring goods in. Um, when I was in charge of, for example, it was computer chips, which had a very yeah. high tariff on them. Now, every time they sent it into the EU, they had to pay the duty because it was it was going to what they call home use as opposed to export. That's where we used to make millions of pounds because business couldn't operate like that. Mm. The supply and demand network insisted that they had things yesterday and they couldn't afford the delays. Now, business doesn't want that kind of paperwork, but because the regulations and controls were in place, whether it be from environmental protection, intellectual copyright or uh, counterfeit goods, or illegal goods, because you've no idea what's coming in mm -hmm. if you're going to rely on, a, on the port themselves deciding what's right and what's wrong. I mean, we've tried that before as well, and it doesn't work. There'll always be a mistake or a, it's just a human thing if there's a bit of money being made. Recent examples in Britain used to be the cigarette smuggling. Now, most of those came through free ports. Now, what that did to the local economy, if you're in the southeast of England, which I was working at Dover at the time, for example, nobody imported cigarettes. It wasn't worth it. So you destroyed that local economy. Think the same for alcohol. Think the same for any other product you could imagine. And uh, you've got the same problems. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm an old get now. So, <laughs> I mean, I still have to do papers to try and help the new people coming on. I think if you look across Britain just now, there is a trained employment drain. You cannot get people, whether it's local government, law enforcement, or any of these organisations, with experience and training just off the shelf. A customs officer, for example, they used to say your training was 12 months to 18 months. But that was your start. It used to be called the revenue nose because you got experience. And you needed five to six years to do that. Not many people could just walk off the street and do it. Same with port control. You can't get somebody that's never worked in, at sea or understands ships or shipping just to walk in mm. with uh, adequate training. So where are we going to staff these people from? Yeah. People I don't think, just leave it in front of you. <laughs> and I mean, they don't put it on paper either. <laughs> I remember hearing a fascinating thing. It was a, a, custom, a customs person. They said, you don't look for contraband. You look for spaces. Because yes, spaces is what they put the... <laughs> yeah. was really clever. You'd be amazed what you can find. Everything from mm. gold bars uh, to small quantities of drugs. I mean, mm. uh, there's a space, somebody will use it. And I'm, I'm sorry, the criminal fraternity of the world, if there's money to be made, they'll find a way to do it. How did it work in Prestwick then? Were you able to put more controls in there? That you we had a control team in place. Right. And that's the difference. The site had access, etc., etc., and had access to all records. Could that not happen this time? Absolutely no problem at all. But where you, one, you've got to get the people in place. Two, you've got to put the systems in place. Yeah, and you have to have the political will for that to be yes. the, the arrangement. Otherwise, it's a free-for-all. 
take you to Freeport Warehouses in Bermuda, for example, which is just a shed on the end of the runway. And the security is two local guys who work there. So you tell me what checks go on. Oh, oh, yeah. It's hard to imagine that we're talking about something that's being brought in as opposed to something that used to happen years ago. It, have you been keeping up with the um, Teesside Freeport? Yes, which is a nightmare. No, apart from anything else, the environmental disaster, which is now proven, is coming yeah. from there. Again, if you look at the financing behind it, it's one or two individuals making a lot of money. I think I'd seen something in the paper about um, that one had sold £100 million worth of ground for 100 quid or something. I mean, yeah. it just beggars belief. It does. I mean, don't forget, all the scrap metal in Teesside was put there as well, which is now yeah. being exported without any controls mm -hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. My mother lives in Hartlepool. You know, at the time, I remember um, the power station going up and then it subsequently come down again. But during that time, the fish were documented as growing much yes. larger than they normally would and with extra heads and limbs mm -hmm. and things, which does make you think that perhaps there was some kind of connection between those two things. There is another fact to this. I mean, what people have to understand about freeports, all the, the majority of stolen art in Europe was found in a freeport in Belgium. That's just one example. Now, it was only because the Belgian authorities decided to go in, because there's no right to go in. They, they managed to discover that. Now, what else is there? No. What else is going on? When it's a free port and a ship is coming in with whatever goods it is, do they carry a hundred illegal immigrants? Oh, yeah. How do they get checked? If they're changing crews in, say, Grangemouth or uh, anywhere in the fourth area or in Invergordon, how do they get checked? That's an interesting question. Is there is there immigration controls no nope. and if you're talking about your freeport might be a factory in clap manager my house as we've established how does that work well exactly i mean these are the problems that there, there is no controls in place what really concerns me about or what all we're talking about is the fact that without controls how do you know what's going on how can you take any cases of it? If the company is not even UK registered, where would you start if you want to prosecute? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And where's yeah. the incentive to do that as well? You know, if, exactly. if, if the money's um, greasing a few palms. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't understand where the financial incentive is for the country. I really mm -hmm. don't. No. The, the other factor that worries me about fourth ports in particular is when you've got so many different sites and you're moving goods around those sites, Original free ports had to be a specific area and had to be a secure area. Well, I saw proposals for Aberdeen, for example, they were going to use Peterhead, Dice, everywhere. Now, I'm not being dramatic. It's just simple common sense. Do you think things won't fall off the back of truck between sites? Uh, human nature being what it is, how will that affect the local economy, mm. depending on what's brought in? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just an open door to... Piracy. You're, you're basically opening the door to, to let the uh, chances get away with anything they want. Yeah. No profit to the country, in my opinion. Other than if it wants to become a tax haven. And, yeah, exactly. Mm. So is there any um, <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose, is the question. Is Can you see any possibility of this resolving itself? No, the only way is to keep continuous pressure on and to highlight to the public because the the pr publicity has gone around this has completely skewed public's opinion they don't mm -hmm. understand it 
No, I don't expect it. people to understand like so my my working in customs. But when you look around the world, why is nobody jumping on this bandwagon? Yeah, I suppose the same reason as they why did they not all jump on the Brexit bandwagon? You know, exactly, it was well, a crap idea. <laughs> I mean, well, it is a crap idea. I'm sorry, but Brexit has just been an unmitigated disaster. Mm. Not that we couldn't foresee that that would be the case. Brexit obviously has has made some of these race to the bottom initiatives um, possible because mm -hmm. they wouldn't have been possible before. Is independence our trump card? Is that how we resolve the well, situation? Independent countries can make their own decisions. That's my, my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah. And, I, and I've worked, I worked all over the world. I worked in small islands in Namibia, in Montserrat and, and places like that. They are independent countries. They make the decisions. They can decide what's good and bad. At the moment, Westminster is deciding, and as the Minister Kate Forbes, you mentioned, has already stated publicly, well, it could have been imposed. Well, not if you're independent, it can't. Yeah, exactly. People make the decision. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it all frightens me immensely, and it's not just scaremongering. It's through bitter experience. I really do think that the PR job that's been done on this by the government has been awful. Yeah because there's no truth coming out mm. and very few of the media are even interested. They grab the headline, oh, 5,000 jobs for, for Grangemouth. They don't look at how many jobs it's going to cost. Yeah, or are they going to be a fire and rehire on a lower rate with no rules? Exactly. Yeah. As I'll go back to P&O ferries. If you look, the, the only free port that's operating, as I understand it now, is London, London Port, which you don't hear much about because it's never made a penny. But it's cost the taxpayer a fortune in subsidies. I think there's another element here, which I, I mean, I don't get the Westminster government's rationale on a lot of things. But why would you trash your international reputation? Why do they think there's a value in being seen as a, a tax haven? I Even have no idea. I, I, I fail to understand them. But reports can absolutely destroy a country and economy's reputation. Mm. If you're not trusted... Who's going to work with you? Oh, exactly. If we can't control what comes in through the ports, why would anybody trust what we send out through our ports? Precisely. You can't control mm. what's going out either. No. There are no export controls that I can see. I mentioned a counterfeit pharmaceutical job, which is the largest mm. in the world. And the most powerful ally on, uh, on that case was China, who did not want that kind of trade. They mm. had spent a fortune legitimizing their trade. Yeah. And they didn't want knockoffs and ripoffs. They didn't. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when we narrowed down to the source countries, it turned out to be Bangladesh, Pakistan, various places you wouldn't have thought of, Argentina. And, and they were chemical companies that were just making it. To give you an example, just to how profitable it could be, a small cancer treatment in a small vial was maybe a thousand pounds. It was made for 10 cents with dirty water in Argentina. Wow. Uh, and that's the, the cynical side of it. The people that are doing this don't care. No. You, as a, a patient, heaven for friend, you have to use one of these things. What I discovered during the operation, if it's counterfeit, it may have some of the original ingredients in it. Mm. But it's actually worse because the real stuff doesn't work anymore. That's just one example. Even, even when you do get something to take a company to the court, I can give you numerous examples of overseas jurisdiction. I used to work in the Isle of Man for 10 years, which gets a terrible reputation, incorrectly, I have to say. 
they're actually one of the most forward-thinking jurisdictions in the world. And nothing happens in a Crown dependency that the Parliament doesn't authorise. So all this nonsense that comes on the press against about money laundering and Cayman Islands and everything, we own it. Their yeah. legislation puts all their legislation through our Parliament and it's it's signed off by the Privy Council. So that's just a complete another press myth. But if you try and prosecute a company that's, say, registered in Turks and Caicos, Brass Platt and, and, a, and a company, then you start to try and drill down who actually owns it, who's actually behind it. I'll, I'll give you a year to, best guess, a year minimum. And then mm -hmm. you have to be lucky. Because, I mean, one of the worst co countries in the world for sending up fictitious companies is Delaware in America. Really? $50 to register your company. I mean, there used to be scandals years ago in the Channel Islands where you go to a house in, in Alderney where there was 50 flat plaques outside the door. There's no accountability, no traceability. And if the money's out of the country, how do you get it back? Indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, Britain coming out of the EU, for example, you're not even in the joined up monetary system. You're not in Interpol or in a, a Frontier X or anything. So mm. you've no getting at the moment at all. And that, well, as some would say, that the reason we came out of the EU was because a certain section of society of know, didn't, want, didn't want transparency of where their taxes mm -hmm. or their money well, was going. Yeah. I mean, the best example I can give that for the public is. There are more people employed in the Department of Work and Pension in benefit fraud than there are in the whole of law enforcement for customs and excise in the police in the country. The percentage of loss in benefit fraud is about 3% of the economy. Yeah, last estimates I saw for the UK, we lose more by tax fraud, uh, about 20 to 25% of the GDP every year just for tax fraud, and that's legalised tax fraud. This is just more legalised tax fraud, in my yeah. opinion. How much potentially, again, think of a country the size of Scotland. You mm -hmm. know, if we had our, well, we're going to have to assume we're independent, that, that we've put a customs and excise or whatever yeah. we want to call it in. How much is that going to actually bring in in terms of? Well, if you if you apply the controls correctly, a mm -hmm. conservative estimate is about 100, 100 billion a year. Wow. If you just take, Take, for example, um, in Scotland, even you have LLPs, companies that, again, are a nightmare. Or even take the whiskey industry. Now, they'll declare how much they, they, they make, they make £20 billion a year, and you get all the export figures. Yes, that's great. Those are from controlled warehouses and controlled systems. Now, if you don't, and the controls in, in whiskey warehouses, for example, have been diminished, they're done by the companies now. Again, they're audited, but at least there is an element of control. That if the frauds can be quite spectacular. But a hundred billion coming in, I mean, that's some gold-plated public services we could have with that. You could actually do it. I mean, this is one of the things about free, but where's the tax benefit for the public? Yeah. Where's the tax benefit for the, the health service? Yeah. I suppose we'd have to re-nationalise those ports. Well, you'd need to do something with them because at the moment, I don't even know how a worker's pension works at the moment in a free port. No. Take an example of somebody who, who works so, sometimes in it, sometimes out of it. Yeah. A lorry driver, a delivery driver. Mm. Are you entitled to free healthcare? Because is your NHS contribution going to be included in, in a salary that's paid? 
Yeah. Well, if the country is registered in Monrovia, why would they? Even the state pension, how do you qualify for state pension if you work for an offshore company? What liability do you have for national insurance if you're employed by a company that's registered in America? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, just all, so much, so much. There is, there is so much here. I mean, it, it, it's, it's something, if you pick the lid off it, you suddenly discovered all the problems. Yeah, we're just starting that process, aren't we? When I was working in customs, every officer, for every pound spent, they made 50. That, that oh, was the equation. Yeah, believe that. That included the, the clerk putting the stuff in the machine. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what it worked out, and that was UK government's own figures. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, it, it just seems a madness that we're not properly making use of that. It oh, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And you kind of think this picture's going to get worse before it gets better, isn't it? That's why it's important, things like this, and the message gets out to the public. Yeah. Because yeah. the mainstream media are, can I say, biased, but they're not <laughs> interested. No. They want a headline. Newspapers today sell headlines, you know, yeah. and sensationalism. Yeah. And uh, as I've been accused by a local MSP, and everything, oh, you're just doom and gloom, you're going to stop investment. Well, no, really, I'm just trying to give you a bit of common sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to be a smart arse. I'm just trying to explain to people where the dangers lie. We're certainly... Um... We're almost working our way through the, the infrastructure in Scotland. We've done ferries, free ports, you name it. So we will try and keep it boiling. It's just so interesting hearing. You know, you kind of have an instinct that there's something wrong here, but to hear these actual examples of what what the damage can be is, well, frightening, actually, frightening. Bribery and corruption is alive and well and living, living quite happily in the UK at the moment. And lots of people are voting for it as well. So that's oh, something yes, we're doing different. Well, listen, thank, thank you so much for um, for spending no 45 no. minutes. It's been very, very enjoyable listening and, and a little bit scary as well. So um, <laughs> thank you. We will uh, we'll make sure this gets out as far as we can. I just so appreciated when I watched that uh, that chat between you and, and Peter. And I, if, if anyone happened to be wondering where I was, I, w I was spending the day having to sort out my whole broadband system. Mm. That's why I wasn't part of the conversation. But I really, I really enjoyed um, watching it. If anyone would like to find out more about what happened at the point where Peter was presenting his motion to that SNP conference, go to our website, go to the blog, You'll find a blog post about that point in where Peter was presenting his ideas. I, I managed to find the video of what he said to the conference. And th those six requirements were, were, yeah, well, they were passed overwhelmingly. So you can find out a bit more about that if you want to. Um, it's like I was saying, Fula, you know, because I, I missed the chance to uh, to talk to Peter, but um, I think we should have him back on as a guest oh, again. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he knows a lot about borders, borders which we've yeah, only again, just We're probably due to of. do another programme about borders later on in the year. Mm. Um, but I've been reading around the subject of free ports. Now, if any of you here use the... Um, bylines website so there's a there's bylines scotland but there's also bylines wales so it's a whole you know set of citizen reporters and writers who produce material and and they've put together 
all the articles that have appeared under the byline's name about Freeports, some of it's really, really fascinating. And w one thing that struck me was that um, he's tried, but so far looks like it's not going to happen, those six requirements to be part of the Scottish Green, green Ports. But um, there's a couple of uh, free ports in Liverpool and around Anglesey. They've got guidelines that they're talking, at least in advance, they're talking about awareness of some of the problems that Peter told us about. And they've got a discussion going. So one of my wee plans for later in the year is to, to find someone in Wales that we can talk to about that. That would be really interesting because there's an awful lot of other things going on in Wales that we want yeah. to know more about. We'll maybe yeah. do a Welsh special. Maybe we'll go to Wales and do a Welsh special. <laughs> That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you later. Bye yeah. now. Bye.